Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. All right, this week we are here with Andy Phillips. Andy Phillips is an A-class limited shooter who kicks my ass all of the time, but still bets with me. Uh, He's an avid gun collector and one of my very best friends. Andy, thanks for joining me tonight. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited, excited. Okay, immediately, uh, we got to know, what is all of this in the background? Let's just like go for it. Oh, this is a wall of guns back here. Uh, there's there's some more hiding, and I have kind of a, a eclectic collection here. I don't, <laughs> you'll see a, a bunch of little 25s. I, I have a weird uh, obsession with little 25 ACPs. Uh, I think they're cool little guns, so I have a bunch of those. Um, a few AKs. There's a like a Polish Tantal up here nice. and a little SBR 9 mil uh, AR right there hmm. and uh, just a, a, a good mix of stuff. Uh, tax, CZ Taxport Orange right there. So, <laughs> That's your baby? Uh, this is a Bulgarian underfolder. Hmm. Um, yeah, a bunch of, bunch of random stuff really. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's more AKs and stuff down on the ground actually you can't see and there's a, there's a few more guns hiding places but um, yeah, I've, I've been buying guns for years now, buying and selling for the most part. Um, oh, man. We talked I, about this a little bit on, um, oh, the other day about collecting, like you went and you yeah. with a buddy and bought like a ton of guns, like split them up, sold some, kept some. So how long have you been collecting, you know? Um, well, I mean, I've been buying guns since I was like 21, but I've been trying to actively collect certain guns for really just the last four or five years. <laughs> okay. Um, as far as trying to really build a collection and I've kind of told myself I'm not selling guns anymore yeah that's what I've always done is I sell a gun to fund another gun and (laughs) I've I've tried to stop doing that you regret selling some I regret selling tons of guns I mean I I could I have a list of like 50 guns that I've sold that at the time I thought was a great idea and I typically like made money on them but it's stuff uh a Sega 12 shotgun that oh. I had in 2007. I think I paid $275 for it. I what? think I sold it for like $400 and thought I was the smartest guy in the world. And now you can't find one for under a thousand bucks. So yeah, that's pretty much that happened with every gun I've ever sold. I, oh. I, I usually tend to, to kind of make money. I don't usually lose money on them, but uh, I, I tend to sell too early. So <laughs> I've just decided I'm not going to do it anymore. So I just keep everything now. So what's um like top five on your list right now that you're looking for? Uh, as far as what I'm looking for, um, I had a uh, a P7 PSP, a little squeeze cocker uh, HK nine millimeter, that I sold, um, and regret, and uh, they've almost doubled in price. So trying to find a reasonable P7 PSP. Um, what else is on my list? Um, Man, I'm really looking for a um, an FAL, like a, a nice like Australian or something FAL. Uh, really, just some some kind of random, uncommon guns. I'm really looking. I had an SV uh, an SVT40 that I sold years ago. 
that I regret. Uh, I'm, I, I, I watch them all the time on Gunbroker. I look actively on it. Every website online, I, I look for them all the time. So I just try and be ready when one pops up to, to scoop it up. And that, yeah. And huh. to sell quickly lately, so. Wow, interesting. So do you actually have shot every gun you own? Like, do you just collect them and not shoot them or do you actually try and shoot them all? I, I think I've shot most of the guns I own. I haven't, I haven't shot all of them. There's plenty what? of guns up here that I haven't shot yet. Yeah, there's a probably half of my guns I've shot. <laughs> so <laughs> they're more... I'm trying to do better. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to shoot them more, but there's some guns that you just, you don't want to shoot. I mean, I've yeah. got a, a, a Marlin lever action. That's like a 1980. It's a 40 year old gun and it mm -hmm. looks brand new. So it's, I try not to even like mess with it. Yeah. So. I mean, that's the same thing with, um, like revolvers. I remember like single action, seeing some in a museum of they've, the chamber has never rotated or whatever. Cause you can get that scarring and it's because the value is going to be worth a lot more. Exactly. You look at Smith and Wesson collectors and I had a few Smith and Wesson revolvers and I've sold most of them, but, um, they, same thing. They look at the turn line and you want to look and see how faint the turn line is. And I, I like shooting guns. So I pretty much, I don't, there's very few guns I buy that are kind of like new in box, brand new condition. Hmm. Almost everything I buy is something I can shoot and hang on to. Cool. Uh, so I look for stuff that's like a, a very good used gun is what I typically look for. Cause I want to shoot it. I mean, at the very least I want to try and I want to put 50, hundred rounds through a gun. So yeah, I, for the most part, try and shoot everything I buy. Cool. Okay. So you said you were looking for a couple things. So what else, like marking stamps, um, real quick too. Like I, I was interested in my, it's silly, but when I bought my Walther PPK, I learned about like interarms and then how Smith and Wesson brought the Walther in and now it's Walther. And so, you know, like what generation that gun is, which is fascinating to me. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, and it, and it really, it depends. That's, that's true of every gun. I mean, you look at every variant of every AK out there and there's different countries of origin, there's different year ranges. I mean, it's, I have four AK 74s right now and that's nowhere close to all of them. Like, <laughs> probably 50 different variants. So it really is just a lot of it nowadays is what you can find. Yeah. So a lot of it now is what's actually available to even buy yeah uh, there's just not i don't feel like there's the supply there used to be the odds of finding an old ak-47 or 74 at a local gun shop have gone down drastically so yeah they're, they're wiped out because that's the first place yeah. like people go to look yeah and you just they don't seem to come up for sale as often as they used to the ones that do are on auction sites online and they they really are <laughs> like a lot of guns right now kind of pulling a premium so yeah. It's, it's a hard time. It's maybe not the best time to start buying lots of guns. Yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, ever like restore any of them though? Or uh, not really. Um, most of the stuff, there's some stuff I modify to, to kind of what I like. Um, and it really depends on what the gun is. There's some stuff I'll modify. There's some stuff I won't. It really depends on kind of how collectible it is, how much I really think I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. Because if I don't think I'm ever going to shoot a gun, I typically don't put a bunch of money into it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, but I, but I have a bunch of projects going on at any given time. I mean, it's, <laughs> and it's all, it's all really limited to money. This <laughs> yeah. what this all comes down to is funds for doing all these different projects. I mean, I have two FAL parts kits that I want to build or have built. I have a Galil parts kit that I want to have built. Or oh, that's build. badass. Uh, I, I had, this is another gun that I had one and sold and regret. Uh, so I'm trying to build back a, a couple guns that I sold. 
um, that I want to get back. So yeah, I think sooner rather than later is probably a good plan for those. And you what go to like estate sales too, though, right? Um, you know, not yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and down here in Florida, that's much bigger than like say New Jersey, where I'm originally <laughs> from, where you you essentially can't buy and sell guns privately. You uh, for the most part have to go through an FFL, and it, it's harder to find those deals. A little easier down here, uh, but you really just got you have to get lucky. Yeah, and you so have to have a a wide range of tastes, which is good. <laughs> You have to like a bunch of guns because you're not necessarily going to find exactly what you want. If there's a hundred guns you want, your odds are better of finding one though. So <laughs> it's got to be willing to buy what you can find. That's neat. I mean, that's good advice. So yeah, is, you know, money aside, like the, the collecting aspect, I mean, what do you recommend for people to like trying to get into it or research or not like maybe get hustled on a buy, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and that's hard. I I've got, I've bought guns that ended up being a bust. I mean, just recently I, I, Oh, really? I mean, I, I bought an AK 47 or an AK, it was another AK 74 and I bought it off gun broker <laughs> and it was just a horribly built gun. Uh, a lot of these are, are surplus parts. So it's what happens is these are guns that were made in Russia and they can't import the gun into the United States. Uh, so what happens is the guns are demilled. They're basically cut up into parts. They're imported into the U.S., disassembled, mm. rebuilt, and then sold because they're now made in the USA. Okay, okay. The problem is somebody has to build that gun. <laughs> and uh, whoever built this one didn't know what they were doing. So it doesn't chamber rounds. It didn't feed. The magazine wasn't put together. The magazine catch wasn't put together right. Uh, it had a bunch of issues. The receiver was, instead of being riveted, it was welded. Somebody welded the front and rear trains to the receiver. So I, I thought it, it was, it's partly on me. I should have asked more questions. I should have done a better job researching the gun. So you I got catfished with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically basically yeah yeah um so yeah i mean that happens it's it's much easier if you can see these things in person <laughs> really you just want to check condition you want to check make sure uh that the barrel is isn't obstructed the barrel's clean the barrel's not rusty yeah um ideally you can look down it if you have a, a great tip for people that are buying a gun especially if you're talking something that's like a surplus military rifle something from I mean, they're 50, 60, 70 years old at this point. Uh, a big thing you need to check is, and you don't need a fancy like boroscope, but they sell little electric boroscopes that plug into your phone. Uh, they call them endoscopes or boroscopes, whatever. You can find one on Amazon for $20. Huh. Uh, and you can slide it straight down the barrel and you can see crystal clear picture on your phone. The issue is a lot of old surplus ammo is corrosive. So mm -hmm. it actually corrodes the barrel. If it's not cleaned correctly, you can get guns that are in pretty rough shape. So it, it's something easy to spot if you know what to look for and you have some kind of simple tools, even just a basic little pen flashlight. will. Oh, yeah. Will We're looking so, up into the light. I remember um, in my exactly. rifle armors class, somebody had for the gas tube, like gas hole, had just milled straight into it. And there was burrs like all up in the, the barrel. Like yep. they're unusable at that point. And you're just like, yeah. why is there debris in here? And it's yeah. yeah and that's stuff, good. like you said, if you pull the bolt carrier out and you take the upper off, you can probably look straight through the barrel on some guns. Some right. guns you can do that. Some you can't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, getting, getting as good an idea of condition as possible is great. So what you're saying, or you can't just like stare down the tube in the opposite direction with the muzzle. <laughs> 
I, I mean, no, you can uh, on some guns where you can see out the back. Yeah, on some, you, you really could. Uh, <laughs> make sure the gun's safe. Sure. <laughs> take the, take the bullet out, one. disassemble the gun. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying this is something you want to do with a uh, potentially loaded gun. Don't stare down the barrel. Love so. it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, okay. <laughs> Bring us back on, on shooting stuff. But we met, sure. oh, my goodness. I want to say Tallahassee like forever ago. We actually probably don't know the year for USPSA, like when we actually met. Do you? Uh, it would have been a couple of years ago, uh, 2019. 20- it was before that. I remember meeting you, or at least I knew you. I remember I like came up to you like, we've met before. And then we yeah, like, it had, re- to, it had to have been 2018, 2019. And I think it was a Tallahassee. It was in a, a USPSA match at Talon. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. So yeah. when did you actually get started in, in competition shooting? Um, I started shooting USPSA in 2007 when I lived in Vermont. Uh, so I started shooting with the, the Green Mountain Practical Shooters, uh, was the, the shooting club up there. Um, they were madmen. I mean, like, it's crazy. They shoot year round. There's everybody thinks like, oh, they must not shoot in the winter. What? They shoot in the winter. They have, match, they have a match every month outside. Yep. Uh-uh. There with snow blowers the day before, and nope. basically like snow blow out a, a shooting area. Uh, didn't even need to use fault lines because the snow was like chest high. Uh, so, uh, it, yeah, you it literally would just be, yeah, like a shooting box just dug out, and then you'd have to like snow blow a trail to the target stand so you could paste them and score them. Nope. Yeah, they were they were a diehard group of guys, so Holy guys hell. and girls and ladies. So, <laughs> thank uh, you. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun though. Yep. They were a good group of guys and they really got me hooked. Oh, and uh, yeah, I moved back to New Jersey from Vermont, kept shooting in New Jersey, uh, eventually got down to Florida. Uh, And I've taken a couple of years off at a time. I think there was a move where I, when I moved back to New Jersey, I think it took a couple of years where I was just kind of out of it. Yeah. Um, But I, but I've always kind of got back into it. Did you like burn out? I mean, that's real. Yeah. I mean, that definitely happens. You, you shoot every weekend and, and it's next thing, you know, it's just, you're not having fun anymore. So that definitely happens. And, uh, it's yeah, just take some time off. I mean, I, I took three months off recently where I really didn't go shoot any matches and I was still dry firing a little bit at home and still shooting recreationally. I mean, like, right. I go still shoot with friends and, and go to the range, but as far as shooting matches, there's times where it's just, you, you, you need you, the reset. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work. Hundred percent. If it stops being fun, reset, yeah. take a break. Yeah, and come back. Hundred percent advice. Yeah. <laughs> Are you drinking coffee at a like? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, we're gonna talk about all the coffee and the Airbnbs. We're, <laughs> we're gonna get some fun shit tonight because <laughs> there's some coffee shenanigans all day. People think I'm nuts. Yeah, all day. Oh no. I mean, remember I travel with the French press, so Andy had the fancy French That's press true. coffee. Mm-hmm. That's true important stuff yeah <laughs> um so when you started uh what was the first gun that you came out and shot a uspsa match with do you remember yeah. my i i remember vividly uh my first gun was was a glock 35 and i actually i shot it for years i mean i i shot that gun for four or five years i shot a glock 35 pretty basic gun nothing no crazy modifications i mean dawson sights i think a, like a dawson front sight a hiney slant cut rear so it was like the the typical kind of getting into limited shooting uh, handgun. So, I think every single person, period, whether it's three gun or a steel town or USPSA, yeah. is always a Glock. It's, <laughs> yep. Whether it's like a Glock 34 or 35, whether you're shooting production or limited, yep. those are great starter guns. And you can go a long way with those. I mean, there was, <laughs> there was a guy, everybody nowadays, I feel like jumps right into the 
like the honcho, the Atlas, the <laughs> the top dollar SBIs and STIs and stuff. And they have no idea what recall management means. They have no yeah. idea what trigger no, I means. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I shoot a big steel frame gun now, so I, yeah. I get it. The weight helps, but it, it's not all there is to it. I mean, there's guys. I shot with a guy in Vermont who made master shooting a Ruger P89. So oh, it's, wow. you, you can, you, it's, 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 uh, it's not the arrow. It's the Indian is the old Ooh. saying. And, and it's true. It's, it's uh, a lot of it is not the gun. I mean, you, you see guys like uh, Bob Vogel and uh, Nils shooting a Canic. I mean, it's, there's plenty of guys out there. Mason, Mason Lane winning limited last year, shooting a SIG. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's plenty of guys out there shooting polymer frame guns dominating. <laughs> So I mean, mm -hmm. it, it is not all the gun. It makes a difference. Uh, I, I definitely think it helps. But once but, your foundations and your fundamentals are there, that's when you should really it, move up. Exactly. You can shoot anything well. So, I mean, it's, you don't have to have a, a fantastic gun to be a fantastic shooter. Uh, anybody can, can do that. I mean, it's, it's the gun helps. Yeah. So, yeah. so you started out in limited, like. Yeah, I pretty much, I have almost shot limited exclusively for like 14 years. I, 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 I dabble a little that. bit in production. So I, I, I shoot, I shot, shoot, shot production a little bit. I haven't in like a year or two, but um, I'm classified in production and limited are really the only things I shoot. That's the, the bulk of what I like shooting. Uh, I like iron sights. I, I don't, I'm having a real hard time with carry optics and PCC. <laughs> and I, I just, I get it. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to say it's easier. It's different. Um, it's not easier for like me. Shooting the dot is like gun. the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. By yeah. The way. Mm. Yeah. Well, so I, I agree. I've, I've shot a gun with a dot and I'm like, it's, it definitely takes some getting used to, yeah. and I just haven't committed to it yet. Oh, and it's hard to go back and forth and you really shouldn't. Um, yeah, that too. <laughs> so did you shoot limited minor? Uh, no, no, I've shot limited major, I think forever. From the start. Yeah, I don't think I've ever loaded minor what? 40 or minor nine or anything. Interesting. No, I yeah, I've always shot 40. Okay, okay. Um, for those of those people that don't know that are listening, can you explain um, what we're talking about with minor and major power factor? Uh, sure, I think so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, USPSA uh, scoring is different based on caliber you're shooting. Uh, and it's complicated because there's different divisions that allow different calibers and uh, in open, you can shoot nine major, which is a high power nine millimeter round. Uh, but most US PSA divisions, um, nine millimeter and under is scored minor. Uh, and it's just a scoring difference. You get less points for hits on target. Um, so for example, uh, a Delta, I think shooting major is two points. I think shooting minor is one. So you get scored preferentially because you're shooting I guess the idea is it's a harder to handle or harder to shoot fast round. <laughs> shooting a 40 or a 45 is scored major. Uh, you're limited slightly in capacity. So there's an argument for both. Uh, sure. shooting, shooting a nine and limited, you're, yes, you're getting scored as minor power factor. So you don't get as many points for your hits, but you do get a, a, a benefit in capacity. So yeah, same thing with like single stack too, right? Exactly. There's the same rule in single stack. You can shoot nine millimeter in single stack. I think you're allowed 10 rounds for minor or whatever. And eight exactly for minor. So if you're shooting minor, I think you're allowed 10 rounds per magazine. If you're shooting major, I think you're limited to eight. Yeah. And those can come in to help because most targets, um, if you read the rules, like eight shots have to be there for 
Wasn't that done for like the revolver division? It, exactly. Yeah. 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 But oh. even, even that's changed in the years. I mean, revolver when I started shooting was six round guns and everybody shot a 45 <laughs> and there was almost no difference there. There was almost no exceptions to that. Wow. And nowadays I think that's changed. I'm not as familiar with the revolver rules. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they're allowed eight round guns now. So I'm pretty sure there's eight round revolvers in nine mil. So I think there's, and again, I don't know what's more competitive shooting major being limited to six rounds or minor and having eight less recall um, too <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Huh, Those okay. heavy guns though help oh 100 percent. yeah i mean and we get bougie with it um <laughs> yeah so walk me yeah. through did you just go straight from your limited or your 35 to the cz that you have now or how did you get to that gun um no i mean i've tried a couple different guns i actually shot that glock 35 for years um, at some point, I think in the move from Virginia, uh, or I'm sorry, from Vermont back to New Jersey, <laughs> I think I sold that original Glock 35 at some point. And then I took a couple of years away from shooting. When I got back into it, I actually found another Glock 35, like a limited, like a whole setup, a gun, magazine, mag, yeah. like Magwell was already all ready to go, a belt holster. <laughs> so I was looking to get back in the USPSA. So I bought another Glock 35. I shot that. Uh, actually as recently as like 2018, I was shooting a Glock 35 and then I did, I went from that to, uh, this easy, the tactical sport orange. Nice. And that's and then, the one in uh, the background right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I'll show her off <laughs> this one right here. Uh, it's no longer orange. Nope. Nope. I'm sorry. It's uh, it had orange grips originally <laughs> and, uh, orange base pads and I'm not a I'm not a real flashy orange guy so <laughs> I, I tried to just all black type thing but they didn't have a black magwell in stock so I ended up with a little bit of a two-tone deal here but um awesome gun I love it what I, else I, have uh, you have you modified on that or anything else um really the only things not factory on this gun are the flat trigger literally mm -hmm. just the trigger itself I didn't change any springs like uh, nothing other than the actual physical aluminum trigger itself. Um, the safety on it is a CZ Custom Extended Safety. Nice. Uh, I have pretty small little hands and short little thumbs, and I can never seem to. Uh, yeah, it's it's a joke, but it's real life, and it's it's a struggle. So. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Okay. Trying to show you this without pointing this in my head. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, so. Big CZ extended safety so I can actually reach it with my uh, short little thumbs. Like the uh, other than that, <laughs> other than that, the only thing was, uh, <laughs> like I said, I got rid of the orange grips. They're black. Um, it's a bigger mag well, and, and that's a CZ custom part also. Cool. And the extended mag release. When yeah. I bought this, uh, this Tactical Sport orange, they didn't come with the extended mag releases. I think now the newest model does actually come with this exact mag release. Nice. I like that's it. That's a factory CZ part, yeah. Yeah. So how important it, it, how important is it to basically like customize the gun to, to you, like you said, small hands, short thumbs. So, <laughs> so I think it's important that the gun fits you and the controls are all accessible and reachable beyond that. I almost think modifying a gun is a bad thing. Hmm. I see so many people modify guns to the point where they just don't run anymore. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, I've done the same thing. I, I've done all the Glock trigger work and stuff and it's, I have seen so many people turn reliable Glocks into Glocks that don't shoot anymore. 
It's unreal. So or bump fire. I've seen that. Yeah, That's exactly. I, yeah. I've seen more guns just lose reliability, like modification after modification, and just it's almost sometimes too much. Yeah. You just need to like start back where the gun runs. Right. That should be your first goal <laughs> is you should have a gun that runs a hundred percent all the time. That's and not until possible. Then, it's a struggle. 100%. It's so hard. Yeah. I, it's, I all right. I shot a match on Sunday. I shot this weekend at Dothan Gun Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a guy on my squad who had ammo that he didn't load. And it, it, we think it was like a sub minor power factor. So it was a very weak load and it literally wouldn't cycle his gun. He was shooting two guns. He was shooting production and PCC. It would not function in either. And he what? literally attempted to shoot a 33 round stage, racking the slide for every shot. And single it, action mode. <laughs> essentially yeah. a single action Glock. That, yes. Uh, ejected a live round every time he shot it, it just it was a struggle so it's he ended up okay. shooting half the stage and stopping and it yeah. took him 90 seconds so it's there's times where it just it's if you don't have a gun that's running right it, it's not it fun really be no fun yeah it's so not fun. A fun time and it's painful to watch <laughs> it is it's it's hard it's hard on everybody yeah <laughs> it's hard on everybody for sure uh, <laughs> it's terrible to say that, but it is. I'm just like, what are it we is. doing here? Well, I didn't tell you his name, so. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've probably been the shooting or in the shooting community longer than anybody I've interviewed yet. So 14 years, pretty long time. Okay. Um, why are you still in the shooting community? <laughs> like, what do you, you love were, about it? I thought you were going to ask why was I still in A class, and I was going to be no. really insulted. <laughs> no. No. No, I mean, I'm, I'm still in the shooting community. USPSA, I've been a member since then. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I, I don't know if I could nail down one reason why, but it really, to me, USPSA especially, besides just the gun world, which I tend to kind of click with most gun owners, <laughs> uh, we have pretty similar viewpoints most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to get like political because that's not a fun conversation, but I tend to aside more with most gun owners than non-gun owners. So yeah. uh, that between the collecting aspect, the the just shooting, having fun aspect and the, the competition side of it, it just kind of has everything I want in a, in a hobby or in a sport. Yeah. Um, community. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A community. So it, it's, it's all of it. It's the reloading aspect, the people, it's the, uh, the traveling to shoot these matches. I mean, I have a lot of fun doing that and I don't, Unfortunately, I do that as much as I used to. Um, but when I lived in Vermont, I mean, we went and shot, and I went with a group of guys, and we went and shot, like, the Double Tap Championship in Texas. Uh, we went and shot the Florida Open. So we tried to travel around and, and shoot other matches. It's fun. It's, you get to see the whole country. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's talk about traveling for a second. Sure. So this MFer, to censor myself, <laughs> books us an Airbnb in Alabama, okay? And I mean, in the middle of freaking nowhere. Well, I get there first. So Andy's not there. He doesn't have to suffer <laughs> night one. Okay. No, this is terrifying. So we walk in to like the entrance and the kitchen is literally a countertop. Then it, it goes right into the stove and a small little countertop. Then it goes straight into a deep freezer, which Schrodinger's cat, because we were not going to open it the whole weekend. There was a dead body in there, I'm sure, or a head. There could have been. 100%. And then there's a little bit of cabinet or counter again. Then we got the washer and then the dryer and a little bit of counter space and then the sink. Andy's comment was that this was made for a woman to spend all of her time in one place <laughs> to cook, to clean, to adjust. 
Okay, and it gets better, guys. So not only did it smell like cigarettes, the bathroom did not have a ventilation system, didn't have an air conditioning unit. In fact, the entire house did not have central air conditioning. So it's 2000 and what's, this is 20. Um, and there was one single unit in the kitchen. So I am suffering. There's no fans. There's no ceiling fans. And then between Annie and my room is this like accordion door <laughs> that you just move it. It's like cigarette puffing smoke out of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Airbnb is a roll of the dice. I mean, it, it really no. is. It, <laughs> you no. never know. We we caught lightning bugs at so that place fun. too. See, it wasn't but, all bad. But guys, <laughs> if you're ever traveling with Andy, you book yeah. the hotel, you book the Airbnb, do not let him go online, period. He is banned yeah, for at least 10 years. That's a perfect plan. I'm, I'm behind that 100%. I, I, I can totally get down with that. Uh, I'll send you the money and then you just do everything else and we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that was insane. Oh my God. That was, <laughs> that was one of my Air, favorite memories. <laughs> yeah. Airbnb, man. I, I don't know what else to say. Airbnb. I, I blame it on that. You never know what you're going to get. So sometimes yeah. it's great. Sometimes it's not so great. So that's part of shooting. Stories of traveling with people, but I think mine's yeah. pretty high up there in a shitty place to stay. <laughs> yeah. That was a pretty, that was a pretty bad place. And it was, it was, it was hot. The air conditioning was not sufficient. And that really, yeah. As far as a travel recommendation, make sure there's air conditioning and it works. That's probably the most important thing. Jesus. So, in the South, it had like 17 heaters, like radiator heaters. Uh, I'm like, why yeah. do we need these? We're in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That was an interesting one. So crazy. So, okay, you've lived, and I'm going to get this wrong probably, but Vermont, you said Virginia, you live in New Jersey. Oh, not Virginia. Not no, Virginia. Vermont, New Jersey, Florida. Okay. Yep. Let's talk about the different gun laws and how much fun that was to navigate. Oh boy. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I originally went from New Jersey, which is awful. I mean, it, it took me took me nine months to get my firearms ID card wow. just so you can go look at a gun in a gun shop. You physically can't touch a gun in New Jersey in a gun shop without a firearms ID card. What? You, me, you could not travel to New Jersey and go look at a gun right now. Physically wow. Allowed by law. So now you know what it feels like to be pregnant and finally have your prized possession. <laughs> Nine months. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it, it's a crazy process. Um, and it, it really is not fair. Um, hmm. And it, it, they, it, there's, there's just an unnecessary burden on people. Uh, it, that nine months is the same thing a Nick's check is an instant background check. I mean, wow. it, literally there's no difference to me. It's a background check, fingerprinting, and pictures, and it takes <laughs> nine months to do. Oof. Um, and I, I would say, you know what, this was years ago. I'm sure it's gotten better, but it hasn't because my little sister is still in New Jersey and just went through the same process. Yeah. And I mean, she's a pretty left-leaning uh, New Jersey resident, mm -hmm. and even she thinks it's an absurd process to buy a gun, and it is. Yeah. Uh, but so I went from New Jersey to Vermont, which was night and day difference and i mean unfortunately vermont has since banned high capacity magazines so even vermont is not immune to uh what i think are ineffective gun laws but uh at the time when i moved to vermont it was wild because the change is just night and day i mean i was in heaven you you can walk into a gun store and the, the i mean they're huge it's you can lick them like kenzie does oh it's i don't know if i go that far but <laughs> that's Mine. how you get thrown out of a gun store uh, <laughs> No, it was, 
it was night and day difference though. Uh, Vermont really opened my eyes to, to like what is possible out there between the getting involved in USPSA and really starting to buy guns that was in Vermont. So uh, I think I owe that to Vermont. Uh, at the time, I mean, they had just their concealed carry process was uh, literally their law was, and I think it's still the same. I don't know if they've uh, enacted any sort of concealed carry permit, I don't think but at the time it was, their law was literally like three sentences and it was, if you're over 21 and a non-felon, you can carry a concealed handgun. Yeah, and it I was, think it's still that way. Vermont. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was extremely easy. Um, yeah, do whatever. The, the drawback to that, though, is, is the no reciprocity. When I lived there, they physically didn't have a permit, even if you wanted to go get one so you could carry in other states, neighboring New Hampshire right. or New York or uh, so it w- there was none, which was kind of a drawback. Uh, which is that- nice why Florida, by the way, if you ever take your Florida permit from an instructor, yeah. um, you can have a permit from them as a non-resident. So if you're listening, uh, consider that, take a class or find a connector or a, um, gosh, instructor down there. So that if you live in one of these states where you want reciprocity, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have friends in New Jersey who have non-resident Florida concealed carry permits yep. just so they can carry in Pennsylvania. Yep. Doesn't make sense, um, but there we are. In New Jersey, but <laughs> exactly, it, it, it's it's a silly process, and I I think I don't know, maybe one day it'll get fixed. But I, I right, right. <laughs> so Florida is awesome, or Florida man. <laughs> yeah, Florida Florida is awesome. Florida, I love. Um, I did kind of move to like the Bermuda Triangle, right in the middle of all the shooting ranges. So I live about as far away from every shooting range as humanly possible. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's still not a, it's, it's not unreasonable. So within about an hour and a half, I have four or five really good ranges I can go shoot at. But you live where people vacation. I do live where people vacation and there's a lot of traffic and they're pretty rude. So it's, it's not all, it's not always great. Yeah. It's not all sunshine and roses here. It's like New Jersey where they pump your gas for you. New Jersey does pump your gas for you. And those assholes are the ones that you have to turn right to turn left. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. You, you yeah. pretty much can't make a left at an intersection. You make a right and a right and a right, or you Dude, use a jug handle, or, not my or we place. have traffic circles, which are yes. very foreign concepts down here. <laughs> very hard time with circles here. So. Traffic circles. <laughs> it, it, circles are tough down here. Um, so I can teach you a thing or two about traffic circles. Oh, it's hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember going to New Jersey and I was like, what the hell? And I was mad. Just right, right, right. To turn left. I was like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> it was the worst. And then I couldn't pump my own gas at one place. It was so foreign or old. And I was like, and, and so that's the problem. It's not that they will pump your gas for you. It's that they have to pump your gas for you. You don't yeah. have the option to pump your own gas. So yeah. There's times where it's nice. I mean, I'll be honest, when it's, it's cold. snowing and 20 degrees out and you don't have to get out of your car to pump your gas, great. Uh, but when it's snowing and 20 degrees out and it takes 20 minutes for the guy to get to your car to oh, start yeah. pumping gas, there's times where you'd rather pump your own gas. So uh, it, I, it, I don't know. I think it's another failed New Jersey policy to create <laughs> jobs where jobs aren't needed, but yeah, 100%. It is what it is. Yep. Um, okay, so going back shooting, that's interesting though. Yes, um, New Jersey's awful. If you live there, move south, Florida, South Carolina. I mean, there's plenty of good states down here. Tennessee, Kentucky, you can move west a little bit, just out of New Jersey. There you go. Leave. <laughs> I've had a lot of transplants actually from New York, New Jersey in my classes lately. And I mean, they're coming in, in hordes and they're there's tons of them. Yeah, yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's a huge amount of people are emigrating from New York, New Jersey to the South, the suburbs, which is wild uh, that people have to do that. Right. I mean, they're having to up and move, change your families, change their careers. It's just, yeah, it's mind blowing. Yeah. 
yeah, but it seems like it's happening more and more. Coronavirus has pushed it even faster than it was already happening. Uh, and you're seeing the same thing in California, people leaving oh. California for Texas and New Mexico. And so it's the same thing in uh, kind of nationwide, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, you were talking about major matches. Do you remember your first nationals? I do. Uh, I will say I do. I do very, very vaguely. Um, I think I actually shot nationals in like 2007 or 2008. I think. Right off the bat. Yeah, it was okay. like the first year I was shooting. I, I was not. I think I was a B class at the time. Um, Better than I am at. I, <laughs> uh, I think I was a B class. I shot limited. Uh, I didn't do very well. I think I, I finished like eighth B or something like I was not excited with it. Uh, I had a great time. Uh, it was in Vegas. So that was part, part of the reason I wanted to go. Yeah, it was in Vegas and I had never been. So uh, I went out to Vegas. I lost a bunch of money on like the first night there. So that would be my my big advice. If you ever go shoot nationals in Vegas, don't just go there and start gambling. They did like a, like an opening night banquet type thing. And uh, I thought, oh, yeah, this is so, tons of fun. I was there with some friends and everybody was drinking. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to play some roulette. And it was an awful idea. And don't do it. I normally don't drink when I gamble. And I didn't listen to my own rules. And it, 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 I won't say it ruined the trip for me, but it kind of ruined the trip for me. Solid. So, yeah. so you need to be babysat. Uh, not anymore. I was younger and dumber and now I'm older and slightly less dumb. So, uh, like I, 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 I'm, I'm just as dumb, but Can I confirm. I've learned. So yeah. Do you hear what I said? No. I said, can confirm slightly yeah, yeah. less dumb. Yeah. Slightly. Um, Oh God. a little bit more responsible and a little bit less stupid so <laughs> other um, than vegas what was something like you'd wish you'd known about nationals before going you know oh god i wish i knew how dusty and, and i wish i knew how dusty and dirty you got um oh. and i wish i was more prepared for that because i actually shot nationals the last two years and um this would have been 2019 utah, utah right yeah, utah yeah. was wild the last day of nationals at Utah was crazy wind and like these like sandstorms like blasting you in the face. And it was unbelievable. We had sand everywhere. I, I mean, guns, shoes, everywhere, everything filled with sand. So um, people laugh at people with gun covers. And, and that was one of those About matches where you see everybody with gun covers, shower caps from their hotel. I mean, now. Everybody yeah. was, I ended up by the end of the match, I had a big rag that I was like trying to wrap around my gun to walk around. So it wasn't coated in sand. Yep. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not super competitive. So I don't go to these major matches trying to win necessarily. I go more to have a good time. I don't get a whole bunch of vacation time. Yeah. So for me, this is a vacation and a shooting match, not like a ultra competitive shooting match for me i want to go and have fun i, I wish i was sights. like that yeah yeah I, I i i almost would say it's 50 50 for me the shooting and the trip it, it's not just the shooting match for me so yeah uh, i don't take them too seriously so i i always tend to have a good time yeah you do uh, i've had a great time at nationals the last two years I'm gonna try and shoot them again this year we'll see cool yeah, I mean, um, it, it sounds funny. So I actually carry shower caps, a huge bag, like a thousand of them in my range bag or in my range bucket. 
And I brought him to a lot of matches and it's not just for rain. Yeah. Like I said, sand is a real thing in Florida it rains all the freaking time. And I mean, you know, not all guns need them, but I have an all steel frame and I don't like rust and I don't want to take it apart all the time to like pieces. Yeah. And then the red dot situation, never done that before. That was fun. So yeah. if you have a red dot, dude, those shower caps will change your life. Um, and so they help. So yeah, I yeah, made those people, right. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So gun cover, that would be my <laughs> advice for traveling somewhere you're not familiar with. Unless uh, you're a freaking pro gunsmith. I don't, I wouldn't even know how to disassemble like every single tiny piece in like a Glock or HK. Yeah. I would have no idea. Well, and it's, it, it's just sometimes you can't too. I mean, there's times where it's, you just don't have the time you're between stages. You just, you don't have a whole bunch of time to go take apart your gun and clean it, and put it back together. It's there's times where you just don't want to have to deal with it. hundred so. percent. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Um, you mentioned this kind of at the beginning, and it's interesting because so many people will shoot like uh, stock ammunition for a while, right? Or they'll shoot whatever they can, minor capacity, and then they finally get into reloading. It's a slow process. You've been reloading for forever. Um, what presses did you start with versus like what do you run now? Sure. So I actually started reloading, um, and and you're spot on. I I, I started shooting USBSA. Uh, I probably shot for a year or two before reloading. Uh, and it, and it just, it was one of those things. This is like 2008, 2009, like ammo prices kept going up. Um, and, and it, I, I also saw the side of it that it really is advantageous. I mean, you can shoot a softer shooting load. Uh, so there's advantages to loading your own ammo. Um, I started loading with a Dylan square deal B. So they're a little like kind of entry level progressive press. Um, and it wasn't bad. I mean, it's, it's not the, it's not the best press for loading 40 specifically, I would say. Um, it takes proprietary dies, so it only takes Dylan mm -hmm. Square Deal B dies. And the drawback is they don't they don't typically resize 40 far enough. You can okay. get what's called the Glock bulge in 40 brass. <laughs> Glocks don't have a supported chamber, so when you shoot you shoot ammo through them, the bottom of the case kind of bulges a little bit, and mm -hmm. the Square Deal B didn't tend to resize them all the way. Uh, so at the time I was shooting a Glock, it was kind of fine. They have a pretty loose chamber, but trying to load 40 on a square deal B and shoot it through a tight chambered gun mm -hmm. is going to be tough if you're using one's fired brass or brass that wasn't yours. So uh, I went from the square deal B to, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think I went from the square deal B to a Dylan 650 actually. Oh, wow. Big upgrade. 650. And then I got... Um, I actually think I bought a Hornady lock and load in the middle there somewhere. <laughs> I think I bought a Hornady lock and load, which is like their, their five station progressive press. Uh, I didn't have the money for a 650 at the time. I think I was like just getting back into reloading. Yeah. Uh, so I got that Hornady lock and load. Then I got the 650 and then I got a, a Mark seven auto drive for it. So I had like a, an automated 650. Uh, I actually just recently sold that and am getting a 1050 Ooh. but didn't realize yeah i, I want to automate a 1050 <laughs> and i really i like shooting a lot i i'll be honest i don't love reloading it's not <laughs> my favorite hobby i mean oh, but I know dry that, fire and reloading are amazing every <laughs> shooter loves that i i wish i liked reloading and i wish <laughs> i liked dry fire and i don't really like either so uh yeah i i find that uh I want to load ammo as quickly as possibly, as quickly as possible, and uh, I want to shoot more. So, uh, automating presses, I think, is a great way to go. Uh, it's definitely not cheap, but 
it, it, I mean, you can load in two hours, what would take you a week normally hand loading or, or kind of manually cranking the Branding. press. So uh, yeah, um, the plan is an automated 1050 in the future. Um, do, you, do you case gauge too when you come out or just for competition or like bigger matches? Typically just for bigger matches. I, I, I pretty much have it. I've loaded kind of the same ammo, the same load for years at this point. So I really don't do a whole lot of changing that around. Uh, I pretty much have a load that I like. I shoot 200 grain blue bullets. Um, and I have a load that I like, and I, I really haven't changed that in years. I, I don't cool. really see a reason to, I have a couple, I have thousands of the bullets and the powder. And so I keep it pretty consistent. The only thing I've changed up recently is primers because okay. I've had to. you have to. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've been between Winchester small pistol primers and CCI small pistol primers lately. Okay. Um, just because it's what I can get. I have some Remington put aside. I have some federal put aside. So I have a little bit of everything just because it's, yeah, I mean, you get what you get. Yeah. If this is 2021 and then like, it's going on still in like five years, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I don't know that I see primer, uh, levels getting much better. So no, it doesn't sound like manufacturers want to cater to reloaders it's they make more money selling loaded ammo I, I i understand like the business side of it but they've kind of hungry loaders out to dry and i think that's kind of a shame i know there's uh somebody's actually I, and i just saw this somebody's trying to pass around like a, a form letter to basically send to manufacturers trying to get them to manufacture for reloaders wow because they literally have come out and said that they're not selling primers independently wow so, yeah, see, no, yeah, I shut down. Like, I would sign up for like the emails and like, we're discontinuing this. I'm like, huh? It, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I think there's some, I think there's some, some kind of good news on the horizon. Uh, uh, Remington's reopened their, their ammo plant. So hopefully that helps with demand and hopefully things start getting back to normal. Uh, I think they'll start selling primers again. I think it's just going to take a while for the demand to die off for supply to catch up. So, right. Right. So, uh, we talked about this before, but how important is it for like reloading tips to stick with a recipe? You already said it, like being consistent, um, all of that. So to me, it's important. Um, but I also shoot a pretty limited uh, selection. I mean, I, I load nine and 40 for the most part. Uh, I have a couple different loads for nine mil based on what I want to do with it. Um, and, and really, I mean, I guess there's people out there that always want to try and find the best thing. Sure. For me, that best thing has always just been consistency something i mean my ammo makes 173 power factor every match i've ever chronoed at so it's i don't have to worry about shooting sub uh, like i don't have to worry about going minor i don't have to worry about any sort of real issues i, I just yeah. I, I keep it consistent and keep it the same and it, it tends to be pretty worry free um yeah. i do experiment a little bit with nine mil uh i shoot some suppressed guns and so i like loading I have some 160 grain loads for, for some quiet stuff, like the, the, a hush type load. Hush, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I load some pretty heavy nine mil, uh, pretty going pretty slowly, uh, which are pretty fun to shoot. Uh, and then I shoot one forty sevens and one thirty fives also. So okay. all of the spectrum. Rounds. but all of those, again, I have a load for each one of those and I just load that exact recipe. So I really don't change it. I just find something that works and everything. I shoot it through and just keep it that way. Nice. What do you, I, what I do you do while uh, reloading? What do I do while I'm reloading? Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mix it up. I, I listen to books. I listen to like audio books and then I'll listen to music. Um, 
I typically, I don't have a TV in my reloading room, which is where I'm at. Uh, I've got basically AirPods and, and I'll stream a book or music or just something. Cause otherwise to me, it gets kind of monotonous and it's loud. I mean, I've got a bullet feeder and a case yeah. feeder and a primer feeder and it's all of them make a lot of noise and you see a <laughs> tumbler going sometimes and you kind of can't hear yourself think. So yeah. having something to drone all that out is nice. <laughs> uh so yeah I, I recommend something to do while you're reloading God, maybe yeah. not listen to this podcast yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly listen to this podcast maybe don't watch it uh, <laughs> and i feel like I, I i don't like to take my eyes off the press yeah, I, yeah. I, you want to be looking you want to be conscious that there's powder in every every case i mean that's critical that's fun to pull out all the primers and have to do it all over I've, again <laughs> i've had a squib i mean i have a funny story about shooting the gator classic in Thibodeau, louisiana in like maybe 2009 with Jerry Michelik ROing me with a squib. Uh, so, I mean, that was a, that was a bummer, like zeroing a, a stage at a major match that you traveled from Vermont to Louisiana to shoot is oh. definitely hard. So hmm. it, it can be tough, but it's, uh, my gun didn't blow up. Uh, Jerry stopped me, thankfully, because oh. I was still pretty, I was still pretty new and, uh, really if I could have chambered the next round I probably would have and there's a good chance my Glock would have blown up so I'm <laughs> I'm really glad the RO stopped me because I didn't know any better then and now I do uh yeah yeah if you can't chamber around and you're having to smash the back of your slide there's a reason and it's <laughs> there's yeah. another bullet in the chamber and uh the next one doesn't want to load so exactly oh my goodness yeah, yeah. so That's I learned back. a lesson that day and that was great but <laughs> Uh, I guess. I mean, <laughs> looking back well, on it, it was, it was okay. So yeah. And the thing is too, is that that happens actually with any type of ammunition, whether it's factory or whether it's reloaded, yeah. like it can happen. It will happen. You'll probably see one once yeah. in your lifetime. If you shoot enough, at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I just a couple months ago was, was loading ammo and I don't know how I missed it, but um, I, I was, I mean, and I mean, loading magazines at a match, I was loading my ammo into magazines and found one with a bullet upside down. Like it looked like a, <laughs> it looked like a wad cutter. And I was, I was pretty embarrassed. I was sitting at a table with a bunch of guys around me. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't case gauge my ammo. It was, uh, it was ammo that loaded on my automated press. So if you're not watching it, it's just cranking out ammo. And, uh, I guess I missed one just wasn't paying attention. And I had just <laughs> comical, but uh, you really have to pay attention. I mean, that's the biggest thing I think with reloading is paying attention. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. This is the most important session of the entire podcast. <laughs> okay. And Andy knows where this is going. All right. Pickles. We have to talk about the pickles. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Maybe we'll use that for the photo. Anyways, pickles are an important range snack. Not only can they help you when you have cramps, but they are delicious. They are divine snack. <laughs> So that, that literally sounded like a, like a cut from a commercial right there. That was good. All right. So, yeah. all right, we're going to do rapid fire, but I only have four questions. So okay. regular pickles or spicy pickles, regular pickles. for sure. <laughs> you like that whole size pickle or sliced? <laughs> no, I, I go with the sliced. Um, I, I don't, <laughs> I, the, the, I get the phallic symbolism there with that you're trying to do with the whole pickle thing. I get it. People listening uh, <laughs> won't see that, but the people on YouTube so will. <laughs> yeah, no, I go with sliced pickles. I think they're just a little more manageable, easier to get in my mouth. <laughs> you know I mean? Oh, so you don't know what it's like to be a female is what you're saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, next. 
but no, yeah, next, next, yeah. I have a picture to prove that's not the case. So, well, you probably will go with this. You want that jumbo pickle or you like the little tiny miniatures? <laughs> oh, no, you got to do the jumbo pickle. I mean, you for sure need a big pickle, but it needs to be cut into slices. Uh, yeah. Love uh, this, love this. <laughs> okay, this is where you're probably going to get wrong. Hopefully you don't. Mount Olive or Vlasic? Um, honestly... I buy neither. I buy Grillo's because they're fantastic. Uh, but the Mount Olive are good pickles. Good. All right. There's my people. For all you people that trash talk Mount Olive, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I like the Mount Olive. Uh, I typically buy dill pickles. Uh, I'm kind of odd. I love pickles by themselves. Absolutely hate pickles on sandwiches or burgers or anything else. Oh, rude. I will eat pickles by themselves all day. Oh, man, I wish I didn't just move my hand like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I will... <laughs> I'll eat pickles all day long, but if you put one on a sandwich, I will not eat the sandwich. I will not eat any of it. I, I, it's odd. I don't really get it. They're just, to me, they're overpowering on a sandwich. I don't know. I'm, I'm a crazy person. So, so yeah. if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to rewind a little bit. Take that screenshot. Anyways, <laughs> that's why I did the video. <laughs> you don't have to. Um, I always ask people this because I'm curious. When um, people get together in the shooting community, we really don't really talk about our work. But I think it's important to talk about like how we're all in different um, industries and different backgrounds and yet guns bring us together. So what do you do for a living? Oh, sure. I'm a locksmith. Um, <laughs> so interesting job. Uh, a lot of people think mostly what we do is unlock cars. That's actually very <laughs> little of what we do. Uh, m most of what we specialize in, we're down here in a vacation rental area. So most of what we do is uh, like electronic keyless access for homes, condos. Uh, that's the bulk of what we do. So keyless locks, stuff like that. Uh, we, we do unlock cars. We make keys for cars. So we do all that stuff. We pick locks, we rekey houses. Uh, it's yeah, really don't mess with Andy. He can break in. <laughs> yeah, I could, if I wanted to, uh, I tell people all the time I could, but I don't care. Uh, I, I think it's a very good, like skill to know, like if you're ever trapped in a trunk or you're ever locked in a room, like you could probably get out of that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's Andy, but it also, it, it ties in. Andy, Andy. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh, no, it, it, it is, it, it does come in handy. I mean, it's, it's ties into everything I, I like doing. It's basically just taking stuff apart and putting it back together. I mean, it's, I've kind of fiddled with things and built little projects and stuff for my entire life, model rockets, RC cars. I mean, like, I've always made little things and <laughs> taken apart stuff and put it back together. And it's really the same thing. It's same as guns, same as gunsmithing. I mean, it's, you're taking stuff apart, you're figuring out how it works, you're figuring out what's wrong and you're fixing it and putting it back together. So oh, yeah. it ties in and, well with what I like doing. And I've seen him hand make a key um, because I'm a dumbass, yep. but I didn't have a key to my, my truck bed and bad, you know, um, that was really cool. So he hand like keyed up. The log, oh my gosh, it's, just, it's mind blowing. I'm like, how did you just do that? And I use it all the time. Yeah, no, I it's, think a, it's a neat trade. Time. And uh, no, I like it a lot. It's and really I've, I've been doing that 13, 14 years now. So, so same as shooting, just as yeah, long. Pretty much. I mean, I, I literally, so maybe a little bit short, maybe 12 years I've been locksmithing because I really, after I moved back from Vermont to New Jersey is when mm -hmm. I started locksmithing. So cool. I like yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good trade. I like it a lot. It's awesome. Um, okay. I did want to end the podcast with this, which we talked about this. I think I'm going to sign up for that class. Hopefully there's still slots in it by like I get paid like tomorrow, but 
you took the Travis Tomasi class, um, which I think was amazing for you. Um, what was his class like? Like, what did you learn? Yeah, so it, it was uh, it was interesting. And I mean, it was kind of right in the peak of like the start of this ammo crunch. So I think everybody was conscious about want, not wanting to like waste ammo or unnecessary ammo. I almost think that helped hmm. okay. uh, because I think it just, it wasn't focused on standing there blasting at a target. Uh, <laughs> And I, I really, I honestly, I learned a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I, I'm that guy that I've been doing this since 2007. You kind of think like, oh, I know everything. And <laughs> I know I don't do everything correctly, but I know what I'm supposed to do for the most part. I still learned a huge amount from that class. Right. I mean, it, it was unbelievable what I learned from that versus uh, what I thought I already knew. But for some reason, just having Travis break this stuff down makes so much more sense to me now. Um, yeah, no, invaluable class. Uh, Travis Tomasi is a fantastic guy. Uh, I, I actually, I want to take the class again. So there's a good chance I'll be taking it again. Do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to take his class again. It was great. Um, and he shoots awesome limited. Fun. So it was helpful for you. I mean, he would know everything, but I mean, it was really helpful to, you know, have that experience of, with the guy that shoots your division. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's a guy also that I've looked up to since I started shooting. I mean, there's a video of Travis and it's, it's an old video. Exactly. You know, the video He's standing in front of some concrete wall, just reloading. And it's, I've been watching that video for 10, 12 years. I mean, since it's, that's an old video. I mean, and I've been watching it since then. And Travis, he's just such a cool guy too. getting to hang out with him was, was pretty neat. He's really down to earth. Um, still shoots. I think the same gun. He still shoots a para. He shoots like a para or Remington double stack gun. Like it's, He's still shooting his same limited gun. I like it. When you so like fast, what you can you get? Yeah, when you get what you want to get, you know, you're good at it and stick with it. Yeah. Um, a yeah. gun makes a difference. I mean, if we go back to what we we're talking about, customizing a gun, you know, getting the essentials or the foundations done with a polymer or whatever gun. But when you get that gun that just like mm, changes your life, and you're like, this is it. This makes shooting fun. It's delicious. That's how I feel with my gun. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it makes a huge difference. So I think that's what he's used to. That's what he's shot for for years and years. So. Uh, I, I think he's sticking with what works. So. I love it. And is this the yeah. first um, like firearms training class that you've ever taken? Yeah. So I've taken like a, like a basic pistol shooting class. This is back in New Jersey, but this is like your typical indoor shooting range, like <laughs> how to shoot a handgun type class. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't get a lot out of that. Um, this was my first class from not to say that a, being a grandmaster matters, but this is my first like top, top level competitive shooting class oh yeah no, um, so yeah I mean it, and it was huge it, it made a huge difference there were a lot of things that I think about going into every stage stage planning now that I think about from that class actively yeah. uh and I mean there were there were GMs in this class there were GMs masters and I think they were surprised how much they learned too <laughs> that's good though so, we talk yeah. about that a lot on this podcast about education. Um, no matter what level you're at, you always have something to learn from someone. Um, doesn't matter what level they are too, or you don't ever want to get that mindset of like, I'm GM, I know everything, right? There's still something to learn. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's always somebody, I don't want to say there's always somebody better than you, but there's at the very least, there's always somebody with a different idea or a different way to do it. And I mean, sometimes that's all you need, whether yeah. it's a, a different stage plan, a, a different kind of plan of attack. Uh, uh, I'm going to shoot this uh, this array differently. I mean, 
Oh, yeah. There's little things that all add up in the sport. I mean, it's little perspectives. Yeah. yeah oh, and then, yeah, and, and it helps when someone else watches you too. Right. I mean, we can break down our own videos. We kind of know what we do, but sometimes I remember I taught someone that like would always pull up and drop down. It's not competing. And I was like, Hey, why do you always go up and then come down? Like, is that a military thing? He's like, what am I doing? He had no clue of what he was doing. He's like, show me what yeah, I was yeah. doing. And I would repeat it. He's like, do I? And I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah oh boy. yeah no there's a ton of things like that like if you look at your own draw and what you're doing with your like your offhand your weak hand while you're drawing your gun yeah most yeah most people have some weird hitch <laughs> in it and I mean a lot of that stuff uh even the reloading I mean Travis brought up a good point to me I was I was dropping my gun too low while I reload and, and, and he made a great point he's like why would you take your why would you move your gun from where you're shooting so I've been trying to essentially reload right in front of my face so that's uh, what you probably learn most about. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's little stuff, It's but, but little tips on the reload. I mean, he makes a big point on transitions and, and transitions and how much more important they are than splits and shooting. And he's, I mean, it's, it's obvious and it's something you sit there and think about it and you're like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're shooting 20 splits and you can get that down to 15s. So instead of uh, one fifth of a second, you're getting it down to like one eighth of a second that doesn't make much of a difference if your transitions between targets are a second and you can get that down to a half a second you're picking up more in one transition than you are in all your splits shooting faster so it's one percent yeah i'm putting a huge amount of focus now in the transitions and getting the gun from target to target and shooting while i move yep uh instead of worrying about how fast i can get two shots on the target yeah so try and focus more on the hits and speed the transitions up and the kind of predictive shooting, the knowing where you're going to be shooting as you're coming around a wall or a barrel, knowing where you need to be. So like finding a point on that barrel and knowing that's exactly where I need to shoot. When I get around that point on the barrel, I'm shooting the gun. Like, you know, a target's going to be there. So it's just getting ready to shoot that and getting ready to engage that before you even actively see it or can engage it. So like it, get that gun up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shooting is the slowest thing that we do is what I hear a lot. And again, like the transitions are huge. Um, exactly it's the movement the transitions that are huge the splits uh that's the whole like this splits get chicks and and like looks cool on instagram that's true Does yeah go look at the freaking paper oh okay i'm like <laughs> throw this no for all of you people that watch these instagrammers i want you to check them on how far their yes. targets are first of all did they ever show you their hits on targets and i love it when it's steel and it's like 700 pieces of steel you know what you're watching and like ding 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 of course they're hitting steel there's 700 yep. pieces of steel and it's two two freaking feet away all right i'm done thank you for pointing that out yep you're not wrong though which is uh, a huge part of watching some videos on YouTube, trying to get guys to break it down and tell you what their hits were and what their time was. And uh, there's a lot of guys that do a really good job. You can learn a lot. I mean, I tell people this all the time about everything. It's we have the internet, we have phones, we have like more knowledge in our pockets than people ever had in like recorded history and people just don't use it. I mean, (laughs) there's, there's books, there's videos. Yeah. You can take these classes. You can learn some of this stuff. YouTube. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's advantages to paying guys for training. There absolutely is. And I think that's true at almost any level. Yeah. Like get, uh, I think there's yeah. GMs out there that can take a class and learn something from it. Oh yeah. So, so I, I definitely think the training is worth it. So you probably waited too long. If that was something you could tell yourself maybe to do early on, that was hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. If, if, if I would have known, yeah, if I would have <laughs> known how much I would pick up from this, I would have done it 10 years ago. Um, so can we expect you to be a master in a couple of months? Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty close. Um, 
I don't, I, I'm like 84 and a half percent. I mean, I'm literally like a half a percent away. Uh, I need to shoot one more good classifier. Or a match bump. Um, yeah, or a match bump. Um, but I really, I mean, I, I, I haven't been putting the focus into it that I should. I, I like, I almost don't feel like I should be a master yet. So I kind of don't want to make it. Like if, that, <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, I once you get up there, like then you have to compete. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm shooting at a master level at this point. So I almost don't want to make master. Um, I'd rather be a better A-class shooter than a, <laughs> a terrible master. Uh, I don't want to be last master at a match. That's not my goal. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I totally get it. Cool. No. Well, um, is there anything that you want to leave people with, or do you want them to connect with you on social media? <laughs> uh, Social media, not really. I mean, I'm on Facebook. My name is Andy Phillips. Uh, other than that, I mean, I, I don't have much of a social media presence. Uh, no, I mean, my biggest thing is if you want to shoot USPSA, go shoot USPSA. That's the hardest thing, I think. And I think that's the biggest barrier for so many people. Yeah. Is there so Starting. many people that want to get into USPSA and just don't know how to do it? Yeah. They don't either, they don't know the rules. They feel awkward just showing up in a match. It's it's daunting. I mean, it's, it is. they feel like they're going to get embarrassed. I mean, most people are terrible at their first <laughs> matches. And I mean, it's, you just have to do it. it yeah. It's it's one of those, you just got to like jump in because once you go, I, I oh, feel you're like you're not going to stop. I mean, I've, yeah. I've brought four or five guys to matches and most of them now are like a B class shooters. Like they come all the time now. So it's, <laughs> There's very few guys that come and shoot USPSA and then they're like, ah, it's not for me. I don't like it. <laughs> right. I don't know that I've ever heard that. I mean, I've heard issues about, oh, the ammo's too expensive. Right. The guns are too expensive. Right. I've heard those kind of barriers. But as far as just somebody not enjoying it, <laughs> that's, I, I don't know that I've ever seen that happen. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so reach out to Andy, or um, like you said, just show up to a match. Uh, he shoots at Dothan Gun Club a lot, so if you're yep. in that area, that is the spot. Grassy yep. was it Grassy Courts of Dothan? Yep, yep. It's the Wimbledon of shooting, <laughs> Dothan Gun Club. It is beautiful, fantastic range. Uh, second and fourth Sundays of every month. Love it. Uh, the USPSA matches. They do steel challenge. I think on the first and third Sundays also. Um, I've, and on I've practice actually, score, it's DGC. Not DGC, Dothan Gun Club. Yep. Just look up DGC to see their matches. Um, fantastic matches. Best local matches I've ever shot. And I mean, I've, I've shot six or eight different gun clubs kind of consistently. And this is the, it's, they're the best stages, the best props, the best design, the, mm -hmm. They're just really well-run matches. So and if you'd like to see me beat Andy this October 9th, uh, Endless Summer yep. Blast. <laughs> Yep, just announced today. I think that's going to be the official date. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the summer blast, though, you have to make it. Find our squad. There will be pickles. There will yep. be shenanigans. A lot of shit talking, and we're probably going to yep. bet somehow in a pool with a point spread system. Yes, I like this. We're going to figure this out. No, I'm, I'm definitely down. Uh, yeah, the endless summer blast. That's true. Is a is a great match. I mean, it's a it's a level one match. Still a local match. So no chrono. No nothing crazy. Uh, 10 stages shot in one day lunch is usually lunch is provided great prize table in the past there's been a, a gun given away for I think oh, they yeah. only allow 100 shooters uh, typically uh, but I think the last couple of years there's been 10 guns given away so basically a one in 10 chance of winning a gun <laughs> I, I can't say enough good things about it it's a great I match. enjoy it yeah I'm not gonna miss it I mean Tennessee and I'll still be down there so hit us up yeah. if you want to come um, so thanks Andy for being on the Red Club podcast. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was awesome. I had a good time.
Awesome. So if you're listening, uh, be sure and follow us on YouTube or on social media at Radical Up and see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Radical Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Radical Up or 3 Gen Kenzie.